have a seat. Isn't that such good news? An unspeakable joy that we have all have access to. We are so thankful for Jesus, especially in this season, but of course, in every season. Hi, I'm Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors at Centerway. We love this beautiful church. And we just want to start by saying we are so thankful to Menden Church for allowing us to gather here today. Um, we typically gather at Willowbrook Christian Church, which we love. And we're so thankful that they've opened their doors to us as well. We are a young mobile church. And so um, we are taking up space in other people's buildings. Uh, but the good news is the church is not a building. The church is people. And so uh, we just love Centerway. Wherever we get together, um, we're just thankful to be together. Um, I just want to say a big hello to those of you gathering online with us uh, this afternoon and throughout the week. Uh, hello to you. Much of what I'm going to talk about will apply to those in the room, but if you have questions, you can reach out, and a lot of this can happen through our website, um, so you'll want to know that. Um, we would love for you to share your information with us. Oh, before I do that, I should say, I think there might be some people headed to Willowbrook. We do our best <laughs> to get the word out, um, but not everybody follows us on social media or gets the emails, and so if you see people come in, uh, a little bit late, that's fine. Don't, don't be distracted by that. But something tells me there will be a few that show up there. Um, but here we are today, and we're so thankful. Um, so anyway, if you are here and you have not shared your information with us, we would love for you to do that if you consider yourself a guest of Centerway. Or if you just have information to update so that you do get things uh, like the emails like we were talking about. There's a couple ways that you can do that. We have info cards at the info center and in, um, I almost said the back of the room, the side of the room over here. You can do that and drop that in the offering box. You can also do that online. And you can do that through an app that we use called the YouVersion app. Um, the app is great because you can, like I said, share your information. You can follow along with the service. Um, you can take notes and you can also give on that app. Other ways that you can give if you feel led, no pressure, uh, is to uh, use the offering over there. You can also give online right on our website. We have a give tab and you can do that. I know a lot of people want to do that, especially near the end of the year. Um, so you can uh, do that if you feel led. Other ways to connect and engage throughout the week um, are through our wallpapers and social media. We have a Spotify playlist that we do for every series that we go through. So you can hear the songs that we're singing if you want to listen to them throughout the week. Um, our team also creates Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that go along with the message you'll hear on Sunday. And it'll take you deeper. So right now we're in Psalms. So it might take you deeper into a Hebrew word or whatever that might look like. You can always find those on our website or you can subscribe so that they come right to your inbox, and you can do that on our website as well. Most of the, what I just mentioned can happen on the messages page um, tab, or the messages tab of our website. Um, you can also take next steps. If you're ever looking to grow, there's always ways to do that. You don't have to stay put. It's not just about Sunday. It's about being the church all throughout the week. It's about growing at every chance we get, and there's lots of ways to do it. There's a next step over there. Claude will be there at the end of the gathering to talk about anything with that. Um, if you have any questions, feedback, if you need prayer, if you have ideas for us, um, you can email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. That's the best way to do that. So let me just wrap up here. I know I'm trying to get through this speedily um, with some reminders. Next week, the 19th, we will be back at Willowbrook. So if you would like to join us there, same time, 3 o'clock, we'll be back at Willowbrook. Excited for that. Also, that week, that Wednesday, the 22nd, is our Christmas gathering. We're going to be at Ganondigan. And uh, that's where we actually were two years ago, if any of you remember that. It's a beautiful location. It's going to be a great evening together. It's 7 to 8 p.m. It's just one hour. The kids get to join us, all the kids that are down the hallway. They get to join us. They're going to be singing. Just some good music, good food, uh, refreshments, not like a meal or anything. Um, but we're just excited to be together and celebrate and sing and have some special things. So 
With that said, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. After I'm done, Kelly's gonna be reading the scripture text for us. For those of you who don't know, we have somebody read our scripture text every week. Claude's gonna be communicating from the Bible, and then we're gonna respond to the word through singing after that. So let's pray together. God, we give you praise. Like I already said, that we just get to be the church. We get to gather, and this was your idea. And you have great ideas, God. We're thankful for the church and for what it means to be in gospel-centered community and that we get to worship you in spirit and truth today. I pray that you would just have your way, that your spirit would move, and that we would just be responsive to whatever it is that you want to do in each and every one of our hearts individually through your incredible word as we open up the text together. We're so thankful, and we just want you to take all the glory and all the praise, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hi, Center Right. My name is Kelly, and I'll be reading the scripture, Psalm 98, 4 through 6. You can follow along on the YouVersion app, which is I'm using, or along on the screens. Psalm 98, 4 through 6. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Our family really enjoys soccer. Whether playing or watching, we can get pretty excited. Even if you're not a soccer fan, you've likely seen the grand celebration that typically ensues when a goal is scored, both from those watching and from those playing. Over many years of watching these celebrations, there seem to be two basic approaches to the post-goal mayhem on the field. In one scenario, the scoring player will run madly toward any nearby teammates, arms open to share the experience and celebrate with them. Often this culminates with one or more of the group calling attention to the team name on the front of their jerseys. In the second scenario, the scoring player runs madly away from all others. Often this culminates with the player pointing to the personal name on the back of their jersey in an exaltation of their individual skill and prowess. Both celebrations appear joyful to the casual observer, but are they both joyful? Can we experience true joy with the wrong focus? When the focus of our celebration is inward, self-exalting, we demonstrate the impact of the curse of sin, elevating ourselves over others and even over Jesus. These short-lived celebrations can ultimately lead away from joy to division, sorrow, and pain. When our celebration focuses outward toward Jesus, celebrations become an expression of gratitude filled with true, durable joy that we can't wait to share. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Let's be filled with wonder this Advent season. Wonder at the gift of grace that brings the hope of true joy. Let's make our active response to that gift the noise of loud, generous, loving joy. So grateful for uh, Brian and the whole group of people that have contributed through those 
written passages, and um, obviously now you know, uh, for those that are connected to Centerway, they're probably wondering where we shot those videos, and now you're in the space, and you're like, oh, you guys shot it here. And so we're grateful um, for um, uh, Menden Church per, to allow us to video those things in their space. Um, I do want to just let you know something that may not be an issue at all, but I figure I need to proactively make you aware. Uh, we believe that we accidentally forgot the video splitter at Willowbrook last Sunday, and so we are on a backup video splitter, so that's why you're seeing little green shots shoot across the TV. So if all of a sudden the TVs go down, everything is right with the world, the people that run those things did not make any mistakes, it's just a backup splitter that's malfunctioning. Might not matter, we hope it doesn't, but if it happens, we're just gonna keep on moving. So um, just wanna let you know that you're not gonna see anybody respond because there's really nothing we can do about it. <laughs> we're gonna jump into um, the, the text and uh, as was already mentioned, that we're in the midst of an Advent series and the Advent series is connected to Psalm 98, which is where the, the song, Joy to the World, was actually written from. It was the inspiration of Joy to the World and so that's where some of that written um, video that was, was just read and some of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, the series that we're in is called Wonder, and the title is Song, so song. Um, I'm going to share a story, and if you're not a sports fan, uh, it might be a little less than enjoyable, but just bear with me. I'll connect the dots necessary for you to be able to track along. Uh, I was in college at the time. Uh, I was at a Bible college, uh, University of Valley Forge, and so we were in college, and I had a friend uh, who was a ginormous Yankee fan, um, just sold out Yankee fan, and we had decided that we were going to get together to watch the 1996 ALCS, which is the American League Championship Series. And so it was the Yankees against the Orioles. I'm an Orioles fan. He was a Yankee fan. It was destined to be problematic. <laughs> but in either case, we got together. If you're not familiar um, with this series, game one was hard fought. It went into extra innings. It was the bottom of the 11th. And the 1996 Rookie of the Year, you probably have never heard of him, a really poor athlete by the name of Derek Jeter, um, stepped to the plate at the bottom of the 11th and hit a deep fly ball. And a little cheater, whose name is not even worthy of mentioning, reached over the outfield wall and scooped that ball out of play and allowed the Yankees to win game one of that series. <laughs> and uh, it's still something that uh, is a, a point of contention for a lot of Orioles fans. But nonetheless, uh, the Yankees took the first game of that series. And then the next game, the Orioles won because um, all was right with the world. And so... Uh, fast forward, and for those of you that are not familiar with um, what the ALCS is or what the significance is, the winner of the American League Championship Series goes on to play in the World Series. And it's a game that it is a, um, a series that is played best of seven. So four victories gets you into the World Series. And so if we fast forward, now the Yankees have won three games, and the Orioles have only won that single game, mostly because of the momentum shift due to a cheating child. Anyway, uh, I, I didn't even want to say that, but I feel like the Lord laid it upon my heart to share with you. Uh, in either case, we uh, were there um, watching game five, and 
the Yankee, the Orioles absolutely need to win to stay alive. If the Yankees win, they move on to the World Series. And my college friends and I are gathered around uh, a small tube TV at the end of an apartment right along overlooking um, a parking lot that will become significant in a moment. Uh, a tube TV, if you don't know what that is, ask your grandparents. Um, <laughs> I would say parents, but I'm one of the parents, and it's just too devastating to come to grips with. Um, in either case, it was um, it was six to two. I actually remember it really well. Uh, it was just such an annoying game, and my friend was a huge Yankee fan, so he's just screaming and cheering the whole time. And we've got a room full of guys that are a mixture of people. It, where I went to undergrad was outside of Philadelphia. So there's some people there that are from Maryland. And so they're legitimate Oriole fans like myself, although I'm from New York. Um, and we're, so there's some of, some of us that are rooting for Orioles. And then there are people that are in the room that are there just to root against the Yankees. You know these people, right? Some of you might even be these people. So in either case, there, there is my friend who is the sole Yankee fan. He's just like over the top and he's just screaming and yelling all the while. And so it's six to two and it's going into the ninth inning and the Yankees are ahead, two outs, ninth inning, and Bobby Bonilla steps to the plate. And if you're a Mets fan, sorry, but, um, and you won't understand that unless you're a Mets fan, but uh, Bobby Bonilla gets up and he hits a two-run homer. And all of a sudden I think this, this could be it. This could be the change of everything. All of a sudden it's six, four, and my Yankee friend is silent for the first time. Kel Ripken Jr., who is the quintessential Oriole, is up to bat. And so I'm like, all is right in the world. This is gonna happen. Like the shift is gonna happen right here. And so um, with two outs in the ninth inning, Kel Ripken's up to, plate, up to the plate and he hits a grounder and starts running as hard as he can and does, if you have played baseball for any amount of time, you know you should never slide into first base, but just in an absolute act of desperation and devastation, he just dives to, to first base. And of course, he's thrown out and it's over. The Yankees are going to the World Series. And I just sat there stunned. And my friend is like, oh, yeah! And he just starts screaming and jumping up and down. And I am just absolutely frustrated. He's jumping for joy. He's screaming. He's yelling, we're going to the World Series. We're going to the World Series. Now, the Yankees at that point had not been to the World Series since 1981. So there's been a 15-year drought and it has all built up in him evidently. And so he is screaming and yelling and we are not reciprocating. I mean, he's literally like, and we're like, shut up, dude. I'm not like, what are you doing with your hand up in the air? I'm not going to slap your hand. And so he's jumping around, screaming, looking around, no one. And so he just all of a sudden runs through the doors and out into the parking lot. He just runs out into the parking lot. It's October, late at night. It is cold. He has shorts and a t-shirt on. And he just starts running laps, screaming and yelling. And where this parking lot is situated, there's these men's dorms are on, on three-fourths of it. And so he's running these laps and he's just screaming and yelling. And there's all these windows and we're just watching him like what an idiot, you know, he's running around, he's screaming and yelling. And, and as he's jumping up and down, all of a sudden he tears his shirt off, just tears his shirt off. We're like, wow. All right. That's pretty. And so he starts screaming. And so now he's just running around his shorts and his shorts are drooping down. He's pulling them up as he's running around screaming. And all of a sudden lights are coming on and all the dorm rooms around and windows are opening up and guys are leaning out. And they're screaming with him. Yeah, go Yankees. I'm like, can't stand this dude. Like literally just getting more and more furious at him as he's running around. And uh, 
they're cheering and cheering. And uh, all of a sudden, um, as he's running these laps and he's pulling his shorts up, finally he gets to a point where he jumps up and down. And as he jumps, his shorts fall. And he just jumps out of them. Just jumps right out of his shorts, bends over, grabs them, and starts whipping them over his head. And he's running and screaming. And I'm like, what is happening? What is wrong with you? It is freezing outside. You are an imbecile. Like, that's all I'm thinking. He's just running around screaming, and people are just egging him on. It was, it was quite the sight. Quite the sight. One that only his mother could love. The question that I want to ask you as we continue towards the text today is this. How do you respond when something is going your way? How do you respond when something is going your way? Like you're filled with joy. That's the answer. We're filled with joy. When something goes our way, when our team is winning, when all is right in life, we are filled with joy. We're excited. And I want to submit to you that as humans, we have levels of restraint, right? Like we can restrain some of that joy. It's what is considered, like I mentioned last week, a a, a good sport. Like if you're a good sport, you kind of restrain that level of joy. You smile, maybe you cheer when your team's ahead. And then there's the, the jump and yell, you know, when kind of the moment gets the best of you and you're just filled with joy. And maybe you're not a sports person and that's fine, but there's probably another area of your life where you jump for joy, where you're excited, whether it's the birth of a child or when something is just going right in the world. Then there's the big wins, the big wins, the -the over-the-top wins, the things where we're so filled with joy that we're overcome by it. We're overcoming. It kind of overflows. It's what I like to call the price is right response, the price is right response. Now, depending on your age, you either connect that with Drew Carey or Bob Barker, but in either case, the price is right response is the moment where you see people just come unhinged, otherwise normal and calm people just losing their mind because they have spun a wheel or they guessed the price is right and they're jumping up and down screaming. You know what I mean, you get it. You just absolutely go nuts because something has gone your way. So he's running. He's running in his tidy whities around a parking lot, spinning his shorts over his head, screaming and yelling. Other people cheering him on, and then suddenly it happens. He's struck with headlights. All of a sudden, headlights light him up as a car turns into the lot. And so as it turns to the side and comes into the lot, I look and I see along the side of this white vehicle campus security. And I think, all is right with the world. There is a God. Thank you, Lord. And so I'm absolutely ecstatic. And so my friend kind of stops jumping and he's all lit up in all of his disturbing glory. And he kind of drops his his hand down and he's looking and this door whips open. A security guard jumps out and they have this exchange of words. And all of a sudden the security, campus security starts running towards him. And I'm like, oh, tackle him, tackle him. And he pulls out a nightstick and just starts beating my friend. I'm just kidding. I wanted to see that response. I just wanted to see the moment where you're like, what? That's it. He did start running towards him though. They had an exchange in the lot. And so they're having this exchange. We can't tell what they're saying because they're just far enough out of earshot. And all of a sudden they start, he starts running towards him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to tackle him. Like this is going to happen. And he gets to him and they embrace and they start jumping up and down. Campus security didn't, you know, couldn't listen on his radio or whatever. I don't know. He was just informed by my friend that the Yankees have won. And evidently, you know, by some act of Satan, he is a Yankee fan as well. And so the two come together and they're jumping up and down in the lot. And he's standing in his underwear and they're just jumping and screaming. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? And uh, the other door opens out of the car and it's a different security guard. He runs over and he starts like, 
you can tell he's not happy and he's not going to join the jump. And so he's saying some things. And so my friend, like, you know, was like, all right, all right. And puts his shorts back on, and walks towards the, the apartment and he grabs his shirt on his way by and walks through the door. And we find out from him, this other security guard says, I don't care about the stupid Yankees. I'm a Pirates fan. You need to get dressed or I'm calling the cops. <laughs> so uh, he got dressed and came in. And uh, when was the last time that you were overflowing with joy? When was the last time that you were overflowing with joy? That you just couldn't help yourself? Maybe, maybe it's the jump up and down kind. Or maybe it's just the moments in your life where you kind of breathe in and go, all is right with the world. Now here's the deal. I know that there are a lot of us in this room that can't remember the last time. There's a lot of us in this room that Advent series just is a reminder of maybe who's not around the tree this year or at the party this year. Maybe it's a reminder of a difficult moment that you've walked through or maybe this year for the first time is difficult. And so you're sitting around and you're watching others jump up and down and you're thinking, well, it must be nice for you. The state of the world is rather joyless right now as we navigate all that's happening. The temptation is to settle for temporary joy, to seek out temporary joy, like the Yankees making it to the World Series. I remember saying to him that night, you just wait, made it to the, to the World Series, but you're gonna play the Braves. And Braves were dominant in the 90s, so <laughs> lots of luck with that. Well, the Yankees won, in case you don't know the end of that story. And ultimately, they won four out of the next five years. We witnessed the beginning of a dynasty. And literally every year, I thought to myself, as my friend jumped up and down and screamed, nothing as horrifying as the first year. But as he jumped around, I just thought, you know what? Evidently, the Yankees are going to win every stinking year for the rest of my life. But at some point, at some point, I will graduate from this college. And what are the chances that I'm going to stay in touch with him anyway? Literally is the way I kind of found peace with it. And then he married my older sister. So yeah, that guy is my brother-in-law now. And he gets to remind me of that moment. And I actually asked his permission to share this story. And he was all too excited because he is very proud of that moment. That's right, kids. That's Uncle Tim. So anyway, the point is this. That type of joy, that type of, of overflowing joy is either one or both of two things. It's either first, temporary, fleeting, right? It's temporary or fleeting. In other words, it's a momentary joy. It's something that makes us excited, but it won't sustain us. And Tim had to go to class the next day, you know? His life went on. It wasn't like, it wasn't like everything changed from that moment on. He was just full of bliss. No, it was momentary, it was fleeting. But secondly, it's a joy at the expense of someone else, right? Sometimes in life, the moments of joy that we feel are at the expense of someone else. For the last two weeks, we've heard of God's salvation. And last Sunday, verse three ended with the fact that salvation is available to all the earth, the text says, to all the earth. And that wonderful reality, of course, requires a response. That requires a response from us. And today's pericope or section of scripture clarifies what our response should be. Verse four of chapter 98 says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So there we hear it again, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Make a joyful noise. 
make a joyful noise. You know, one of the things I love about Hebrew is that a single Hebrew word means a phrase. And so to make a joyful noise is actually one Hebrew word. Um, I have a close to a minor in biblical languages, so I unfortunately know way too much about Hebrew, a dead language that doesn't help you in life often. But I will say this, the single word that's translated correctly, make a joyful noise, that actually means in context, shout a war cry. Make a joyful noise, the Hebrew word means shout a war cry or sound the signal for battle. Same word, same Hebrew word. Shout a war cry, sound the signal for battle. Get this, our worship is a weapon. Our worship is a weapon. We don't often approach worship in the context of spiritual warfare. How is that possible? Why? Why and how? Listen, we have a choice. We have a choice. We we're all have the choice and the ability to come into this place and to listen to worship like a concert. We can sit and be like, hmm, it's very good. Oh, musically, that's phenomenal. Or, hmm, musically, that's rather poor. Or, hey, it's too loud, or it's not loud enough, or whatever the evaluation might be, because we're approaching worship as a concert. Or we can focus our heart. We can focus our heart and we can focus our mind on the Lord and his salvation. We can realize the work that he has done and we can elevate him over, get this, our circumstances. We can elevate him over our pain, over our situation, whatever it might be. We can elevate the Lord himself because worship provides perspective. So when we approach worship with the idea of a shouting of a war cry or the sound of a signal for battle, what it is that we're doing is we're saying, God, you are worthy of praise because you're big and I'm small. You see it, I don't. You get it, I don't understand. But listen, I'm hurting and I need you to fight on my behalf. Shout a war cry. God, would you go to war for me? I don't have the strength, I don't have the energy, I'm at the end of my rope, or I'm too broken, or I'm too sad, or I'm too isolated, but Lord, I'm just sounding the war cry. Would you go on my behalf? Would you do a work that only you can do? I remember a, a difficult moment in my life. I was traveling with a ministry team. We were traveling all over the, the Northeast, and so we would visit churches in different camps, and we would do different ministry productions and I remember we were in White Plains. I still remember the church. It was a phenomenal um, pianist that was playing. He was just leading very simply from the piano in worship. And I was going through such a difficult time. And I remember I just, I lifted my hands as a symbol of surrender. And I just began to think about what I was going through. And I said, God, thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for this situation, for this circumstance that, that you're still God in the midst of it. And I remember... I remember the pain of it. I remember um, the willpower that it required. You know, King David actually says, uh, he speaks to his own soul and tells his soul to rejoice. It's an, it's an act of spiritual maturity and discipline to say, my soul will rejoice. I will speak to my soul right now. I will bring my body into submission because my heart and mind is broken, but I know that God is worthy. And so I just began to thank the Lord in that moment. And I remember I, I welled up with tears. There were tears streaming down my face and I felt a presence of God just in that room and in that place as I just surrendered and cried out to him. And he just, the Holy Spirit comforted me in that moment as I just declared, you're still God. 
you're still God. Like, Lord, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but you're still worthy of my praise. You're still in control. And you know what it did? It did work out. God was faithful. It didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but he walked me through it. And oftentimes, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, we pray to the Lord with the expectation and the anticipation that he's gonna reach in and pull us out of our pain. You know, like God, just come in and pull me out of this. Like if you love me, then it won't hurt anymore. But the reality is God doesn't promise us to avoid the situations and circumstances of this life. What he says is he'll never leave you or forsake you, which means in your darkest of moments, he's walking alongside you. He's saying you're not alone. You're not alone. You can't change your situation, but we can change our response. Think about that for a second. You can't change your situation or your circumstance. Wish I could. You can't. But you can change how you respond to it. You can change how we respond to it. In fact, the verse says, make a joyful noise. Make that war cry to the Lord, all the earth, and then break forth into joyous song. It's an imperative. It's a command. Break forth is actually telling you, then you must do this. And what's interesting is break forth in Hebrew means burst. (laughs) Burst. Literally get to the place where you just burst with joy. How is that possible if you're, if you're in the midst of pain? Why? Because God is walking you through it. It's an awareness of God's salvation. And as a result of connecting your heart and mind to the work that only God can do, we're suddenly filled with joy. We're overcome by what's taking place. It's not a temporary joy. It's an eternal one. But listen, our joy is still at someone's expense. Our joy is still at someone's expense. Advent is about Jesus arriving so that one day he would go to a cross and die the death for your sin and mine. Listen, he would endure being truly alone so that we would never be alone. It's in his suffering that we're able to experience joy. Our joy is at the expense of our Savior. Jesus went and paid the price that you deserve so that we can lift our hands and surrender, so that we can sing a song of praise, so that we can declare to our soul, listen, worship the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Jesus has won the battle against sin and death. He has won the battle against sin and death. And so verse five and six, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With a lyre and the sound of melody, with the trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. You see, it's progressive. It's an awareness to realize Jesus is the salvation, not just for the house of Israel, but for all the earth. And all the earth should cry out a war cry in our moments of need. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. We're overcome by the joy. Get this, joy only comes to the person that understands their life is now different their life is now different. And so we respond in song and praise. So I want to ask a question that only now makes sense if you've been on the journey. The song is this. I mean, the question is this. What song is your life singing? Think about that for a moment. What song is your life singing? Started with how do you respond when something is going your way? And the answer is joy. If something's going our way, the answer is joy. What is your response when things are not going your way? The answer should be joy. The answer should be joy. Because we're not talking about temporary joy, we're talking about eternal joy. And I know that that sounds somewhat 
crass and cold, like, oh, hold on a second. I don't think you understand the pain that I'm experiencing or the difficulty that I'm in the midst of. But I want to challenge you, do you live expressing temporary joy? contingent upon your circumstances. Because here's the deal. If you do and you proclaim to be a Christ follower, you are no different than the irreligious person. Because an irreligious person, in a moment when things are going their way, they're filled with joy. And so is your joy temporary? Or is there something of you that is different? Is your life song different than those that live their lives around you? Is your joy that's temporary quickly replaced with stress, with fear, with anger, criticism, What is the song of your life? I'm not saying fake it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about mustering up Christian behavior. Like, listen, things are tough. Have joy. Come on, buck up, little partner. You got this. Like, but I'm so sad. No, no, Jesus is still alive. Have joy. Like, all right, I'll fake it till I make it. Not talking about that. In situations that you can't change, circumstances that you can't change, are you allowing God to change you? In those moments, are you taking a position and a posture of surrender and maybe with tears streaming down your face saying, okay, I'm not all right. God, I am not okay. But you are still worthy of praise. I will still declare the war cry. I will still surrender. God, would you fight this battle that I simply can't? And if things are not changed and it goes the way that that I don't want it to go, would you just walk with me? Would you never leave me or forsake me? God, would you see me through this? And it's amazing how the presence of God will bring a peace that passes all understanding. How the fruit of the spirit of joy and long-suffering will all of a sudden rush in and that in those moments you'll be filled not because of your effort, but because of your willingness to realize you don't possess the effort. That you're just at the end of yourself. You're willing to say, okay, God, it's you or, or it's nothing. Do you live daily declaring the war cry of the gospel over your life? Do you wake up in the morning and say, all right, it's a new day. And so I'll declare the war cry of the gospel over my life. Would you center my heart, Lord? Do you declare a war cry of the gospel over your family, over your job, over your school? I can't tell you how many times I've freaked out my children praying over them at night. (laughs) But it's because I want to declare the truth of the gospel over their lives, even in their quietest of moments. That they would realize and experience the presence of God. Because I will fail as a parent. I will fall short as a human. But our Heavenly Father will never forsake us. Listen, you don't have to settle for a lesser version of your one and only life. And to sink into the situation and circumstances of your life, you're settling for a lesser version. If you're willing to turn to God and in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of the unknown, to worship him. If you're willing to walk in God's salvation and allow that joy to fill you and to literally burst forth, that changes everything whether it's an advent or any day of your life, experiencing the true reality of God's presence. We say every week at Centerway that the text requires something of us. And so I wanna ask you a question as we contemplate how to respond in worship today, all too fitting. Question is this, how can I make my joy evident to those in my sphere 
of influence? How can I make my joy evident to those in my sphere of influence? What does it look like for us to function, for those that proclaim that Jesus is our Lord? How is it that we change our life song? I wanna challenge you. The worship team is gonna make their way forward so we can respond. And, and as they do, I just ask that you would bow your heads and just so you're not distracted by them coming. You can keep your eyes open if you look at the ground if you want or if you're able to shut your eyes and not go into your thoughts, then you can close your eyes so you're not distracted. Um, I'm always amazed at people that can close their eyes and not start going on rabbit trails. I'm not capable of that. As the team makes their way forward, I want you to consider these things. As you consider how can I make my joy evident to those in my sphere of influence, maybe it needs to begin with a surrender of your life. Maybe you're in this place and you're saying, I've never fully surrendered to God. So I can't make joy evident that I simply don't possess. If that's you, I wanna challenge you to consider praying a prayer, coming into relationship with the Lord. And it's not a specific prayer and it's nothing I'm gonna manipulate you towards or anything. It's in the quietness of your own mind, whether you're in the room today or online watching later or listening later. Just a a prayer that acknowledges that Jesus died the death that you deserve. A prayer that says, I'm a sinner, Lord. Would you forgive me my sins? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Some variation of surrender. It'll begin a relationship. And today, if you're in this place and you've prayed that prayer, I would love to talk to you afterwards about your next steps so that it's not just a, a fleeting moment or a passing decision. If you're watching or listening later, you can reach out via website or email. We'd love to talk to you about your next steps. For others of us that are in this place and you've already given your life to the Lord, you consider yourself a Christ follower. Listen, we don't outpace the word of God requiring something of us. And I think the temptation all too often is to say, hmm, that's a good reminder. (laughs) And although it might be a good reminder, the reality is God, God requires something of us to respond to that truth. And so what does it look like to make your joy evident to those in your sphere of influence? Maybe it means today singing a song in surrender. Maybe today it means allowing the songs that are played to not simply be a concert that's performed, but one you engage in. Maybe today you raise your hands as just a symbol of surrender and thank the Lord. Not because you're grateful for the moment, but because you know that he's in control and that he's not leaving you. Maybe it looks like just surrendering in song or willingness to, to weep while others declare a war cry on your behalf. Maybe this week it means personal time of worship. If you're a person that engages in, in worship corporately, what does it look like to engage in personal time of worship to start your day? So that we're influencers and not people that are influenced. But we're literally communicating the war cry of the truth of the gospel at the beginning of every day who are worshipers. In just a moment, we're gonna respond in song. And I wanna encourage you, the first song we're going to sing is actually a Christmas song. It talks about the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. And I wanna challenge you, you as a Christ follower have hope. There's hope. I wanna pray as we move into response today. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we're grateful. We're grateful that we don't have to be victimized by the circumstances and situations of this life. 
but that we can declare the truth of the gospel over our lives, that we can acknowledge that you are still on the throne, that you are greater than our circumstance, that you have a perspective that we don't. And so, Lord, we come before you and we, we worship. We allow the presence of your spirit to overflow, that we would have joy unspeakable because of who you are, because of the person and work of Jesus in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's respond and worship together. Amen. Can we stand together?
space and could understand us, be a friend who knows our needs. We're overflowing with joy. And we commit this week to be worshipers, not fakers, but choosing intentionally to worship right in the middle of our pain, right in the middle of the disappointment, right in the middle of the things that aren't yet, but maybe will be.